In John chapter 1, verse 6, it says, and I quote, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. This John we commonly know as John the Immerser or John the Baptist. It was indeed connected to his task, his profession, if you will, his office as one who would immerse individuals into water. His baptism in or with water for the forgiveness of sins was the baptism of repentance, looking forward to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Christ. In verse 6, again, there came into existence this man sent from God whose name was John. And John came as a witness, for he saw to testify, give evidence about the light. And the light speaking of the Messiah, the Christ, the coming King, the Savior of mankind, Jesus also described in the pages and penmanship of the Holy Spirit through the gospel of the apostle as the Logos, the Word. He is the communicative process in which we receive information from an inspired source in which we can receive, read, understand, believe, investigate, rightly handle, practice, obey. He is the Word. And he is the light. He illuminates. He is active. He operates. He illuminates the path to redemption for all mankind seeking that path. And through John, as one came into existence, one who saw, eyewitness, gazed upon the Messiah, John had seen the Holy Spirit descending on this man, Jesus of Nazareth. John was a witness and he testified. He gave evidence to this fact and with this lesson i share with you the humility of john in chapter 1 the apostles pen verses 19 through verse 34 and we'll look at the text and we'll see what it indeed reveals the christ of course the messiah the king is the focus point of our search and John didn't want to have to do with anything that would deviate from that focus, that path. And so in verse 19, this is the testimony of John, John the Immerser, John so commonly known for us today as the Baptist. Why? Well, it would be in the equivalent of saying, well, there goes Joe the mechanic. There goes Fred the carpenter. There goes Cindy the dentist. Oh, that's John, the Baptist, the baptizer, the immerser. He plunges, he dips, he submerged, submerges individuals into water. Why? Well, it's for the forgiveness of their sins. There's much water in the Jordan. They are immersed therein for the forgiveness of their sins. It's the baptism of repentance. Okay, well, there's some religious information being proclaimed by this man named John. And so the religious leaders of the day, no doubt, would want to be informed, would want to inquire on why this man is speaking the things he is speaking and who sent him and what is taking place, of course. So this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you in verse 19 of chapter 1 the gospel of john who are you and he confessed and did not deny 
in verse 20. I, John here speaking, am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. It could have been very tempting for John to take this opportunity and capitalize on this opportunity and find favor with the religious leaders of his age and be given the societal privileges that could be found among his people if he would have compromised at that very moment in order to appease the religious leaders. Commonly known throughout the scriptures, of course, revealed with titles such as the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, the elders, the Sanhedrin, the Jews. He confesses, he gives evidence, I am not the Christ. He did not deny this fact. Therein, our first insight our first insight into the mind of John and how he was humble. He was humble to the moment. If anyone, none born greater among mankind, would have had credentials to capitalize on this opportunity, it was John. He was sent by God, sent from God. He spoke with a voice loud, proclaiming boldly. He had the talents to captivate the audience and have them listen to the words he spoke. He could have, <laughs> he could have taken advantage of this situation for his own ambition, his own interest. But he didn't, did he? What was the focus? And he understood to whom he was speaking with. And he did not give them more than many words. He kept it precise and to the point. I am not the Christ. These religious leaders, of course, having been born and raised in a covenant to which they would have been reciting, reading, learning, meditating, teaching the law. Well-versed in the law, these individuals were scholarly. John could have certainly taken advantage of that and found a foot in the door at that moment for preeminence. He could have found the chief seats, the greetings. Oh, and all the phylacteries that would certainly come with it. But John knew his office, his task, his role in all of this. And as we continue to read, we shall certainly see the text reveal such and he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And so they asked him in verse 21, well, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not 
Well, are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Why isn't he getting into some large, eloquent, scholarly conversation with these individuals? After all, they are sent by some of the most prestige assemblies of the religious leadership. Is there anything inherently wrong with being scholarly, being well educated in the law, in the scriptures? Well, of course not. But John was able to recognize the fruits being produced by the source in which these men had come to question him. And I find it interesting. And we have wisdom in seeing recognizing the example of the interaction taking place between John and these individuals and see how the answer was short to begin with but then got shorter on the third try. I am not the Christ. I am not. No. Are you Elijah? They knew the law. They knew the scriptures. They were well versed but they were not interpreting it any longer to the function in which the author's intent was meant for their lives. They had since enamored themselves with their own traditions and set their traditions higher of importance and obedience than the law which comes from God. John knew this. John knew this. Are you Elijah? They would read the prophets and the prophecies speaking of a day and age in which the prophet would come. The Messiah would come. Are you the prophet Moses spoke about? Are you Elijah to come back as the text would say? They were misguided in what the prophets were saying. No, John says. No. Of course, the prophet in which Moses spoke was the Christ. And spiritually speaking, John most certainly had connection with the prophets and the fulfillment, the completion of his role. And so they asked him and said to him in verse 22, well, who are you? We need an answer to bring back to our superiors. We need an answer. Who are you so that we may give an answer to those who sent us? Verse 22. What do you say about yourself? You're not Elijah. You're not the Christ. You're not the prophet. Maybe you're unaware that uh, over here, the religious leaders are who have the power to govern all religious affairs. And here you are boldly proclaiming information and gaining fame in a crowd. You must have not got the notification. 
See, you need to go through us so we can examine you and know what you are allowed to teach out there. We are the wise. You are the uneducated. We need to bring information to our superiors. And there's no fault in, in, in questioning an individual in the community who is boldly outside speaking religious things. If I were to recognize a man tomorrow in the streets with a microphone in my street, walking up and down and speaking words of repentance and Jesus, I would approach the man as a neighbor and ask him questions. What is it do you believe, sir? Who are you? What is taking place here is of a different nature. And again, I share with you an illustration that I have repeatedly utilized because it goes to the point, I believe, two individuals living in the same community. Two individuals living in the same community asking the same question. Are there any police officers here? It's the same question. By two individuals who live in the same community. Here's the difference. Here's the discernment we should have. One of them is asking, are there any police officers here? Because he or she is seeking public assistance. There is an emergency. We need assistance from the law. The other, however, is asking, are there any police officers here? Because he or she is seeking to break the law. These individuals asking, John, who are you? Why are they asking these questions? And how is John reacting, interacting, engaging with these individuals? With strength, with a righteous, cunning mind, knowing who they represent, where they are coming from, and what they are seeking. Let's keep our answers short and to the point, shall we? No, I am not the Christ. No, I am not. No. The humility of John keeps the information transparent. He ain't the Christ. Well, we need an answer from you. We need to know who you are. We need to bring information to our superiors. Very well, John replies in verse 23. And what is his reply exactly? Scripture, the Bible. How should we as Christians today interact and deal with these high-minded religious leaders among us whose hearts and motives and intent are not pure and innocent, but rather corrupt? Quote scripture. Keep your answers short. Remain humble. Keep the focus on Christ. The scripture is quoted in verse 23. I am a voice of one crying, boldly proclaiming in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as Isaiah the prophet said. Do you think they know this scripture? John is the one that will 
Level the hills. Straighten the curves. Prepare the path. So that there is indeed a way forward for the Messiah. This is John. He didn't go above and beyond. He didn't fall short of it. You want to know who I am? Here's the scripture being fulfilled. Who are you? Who are we? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever is born again, we are Christians. Quote scripture. Keep your answers short when the ones asking aren't really pure of heart. Scripture is given. Another moment of humility. John could have indeed once again capitalized, quote-unquote capitalized on this moment. He is a human being. He could have easily fallen into temptation and taken that moment and be friendly, quote-unquote, with these individuals. And maybe they'll put in a good name for me with the, the ones who sent them. And maybe I'll be invited to these banquets and these locations and... Perhaps I'll be given all the societal privileges that come with these religious leaders. Who are you? Well, let me tell you who I am. I've been sent from God. Was that John's attitude? Was that John's mind? I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now, in verse 24, they had been sent from the Pharisees. The Pharisees knew the law. They were a source of authority for the law and enforcing the law. The problem was they were creating and binding tradition from a misinterpretation of the law. And these individuals would act as gatekeepers. You can't really truly know the law without me. Oh, we know some brethren like that in the brotherhood, do we not? I'm smart. You're not. Be quiet. Sit down. You don't know the Bible, I do. And the only way you're going to understand it is if you sit down at my feet and learn from me. Now, is there a righteous way in which we can sit down at the feet of knowledgeable brethren, scholarly brethren, and learn? Is there a humble way in which that can take place? Absolutely. But I do believe many of our brethren, they become pharisaical in their ambition. These Pharisees, acting as these gatekeepers, of course, they were seeking to know who John was and why he's here. And he's, he may be a threat. He may be a threat. I mean, people are beginning to listen to him and follow him. He may take away from our positions of preeminence here. We are the ones in which people should flock to and listen to. We've been here for Now they had been sent from the Pharisees and they asked him and said to him in verse 25, why then are you baptizing 
if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. Now, these Jews and the religious leaders of the day understood baptism very well. This is not some kind of new formula to the mix. No, they understood baptism. As a matter of a fact, if someone outside the fold, an unbeliever, perhaps a Greek, Gentile, a heathen, pagan, sought to convert to Judaism, he or she would have to plunge themselves, baptize themselves, in order to now be a convert among the Jews. But John is not seeing individuals plunge themselves. He is the one baptizing them. See, when an individual would plunge himself as a Gentile, a Greek, heathen, pagan, God's power therein, now the conversion has taken place. He has seen as one within the fold. Proselyte, I think, is the name. I may not be pronouncing that properly. Forgive me if I'm not. But John, he's plunging them. So who gave him the authority to do that? He's not Elijah. He's not the prophet. He's not the Messiah. Who gave John this authority? Why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them. In verse 26, I baptize with water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. Jesus was born under the law as a Jew. They don't know him yet, do they? It is he, verse 27, John speaks of, who comes after me. The thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. And here and again we see the humility of John's heart. And is focused always on the Christ. The duty of untying one's sandals was for the lowly slaves, the slaves down there. John, in his humility, didn't even see himself worthy to be a lowly slave at that measurement of posture before the Christ. The Pharisees thought they were walking Bibles. You know that bold face they have? We are walking Bibles. We are the judges. We are God on earth. Representatives. John's here talking about, I, I, I'm not even worthy to, to untie his sandals. You know, when we converted from an unbeliever's worldview and all the extremities of sinful endeavors that we practiced as unbelievers among the heathen, the pagan. When we were converted and we knew and sought the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
We bowed our heads to the floor. We raised our hands in the sky. Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I, I'll sweep the floors in heaven. I'll open the doors. If I'm even the last one to get in there, then it, let me be the last one. The Pharisees before God, speaking to God, the Pharisee says, you know what, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a sinner. I'm proud I'm not a sinner. Like uh, these fornicators and adulterers and these tax collectors and these heathens. No, God, I'm glad that uh, I'm here. And uh, you don't need to worry about a thing. I got it all covered, Father. Uh, the sinner, which represents, of course, the submissive, reverent, bowed heart of an individual who is poor of spirit just begging God for forgiveness, which we should never lose within our hearts. John understood this very well. Again, John could have used this moment and been like, ah, since I'm the one who's supposed to pave the way for the Messiah, I'm the one going to be sitting on the right hand of uh, the throne, and you all better bow down and listen to me, because I am smart and you are not. Shut your mouth. Sit down. That bold face, those little beady eyes. He who comes after me, the thong whose sandal I am not worthy to untie, Verse 28, these things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. It's amazing to me, John's baptism with water, of course, it certainly gave us the picture of things to come. That's what it was there for, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For John, the baptism of repentance, it was for the forgiveness of sins with water for you and I today with water, though, to be baptized into Christ when we are humble and submissive. The next day, in verse 29, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, pay attention, a herald, a herald, a proclamation, behold, Pay attention now. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Where is John's heart? What is found within John? What is found within John comes outward, doesn't it? The faith, trust we have within produces an outward action, does it not? Behold, a message, a herald, a proclamation, boldly spoken, the Lamb of God, the Savior of mankind. He takes away the sins of the world. We need Jesus, don't we? 
We need Jesus. Verse 30. This is he on behalf of whom I said, after me comes a man who has a higher rank than I. For he existed before me. Chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was prior to the creation, what was the word, the logos, the communicative power, and the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning was the Son, and the Son was with the Father, and the Son was deity, divine, God. God saw it fit, so much so, in his love towards humanity, created in his image, the breath of life within mankind. There is a personal connection there. There is emotion there. Though we are salt in an ocean of sand, Christ knows every hair on our heads. We need salvation. When he calls us out of a dying world through the gospel written in the 66 books of the Holy Bible, calls us away from fornication, adultery, homosexuality, abortion, Murder and murder and violence and violence. Thieving, lying, cheating. All sorts of chaos, all sorts of division, all sorts of corruption. He calls us away from religious corruption. See, we tend to think, you and I, misguidingly so, that all the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all that, they're the false teachers out there in denominations. No, they ain't. No, 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 no. They're in the church. They've put on wool. They're behind pulpits. They're among the elders. They've climbed in through the window. They're here to devour and plunder. Who were the Pharisees? Who were these religious leaders questioning John? Who are these individuals we see all over the New Testament always challenging and pestering Jesus? Brethren, members of the church, Their hearts weren't right. But John's heart was right. John's heart was right. And we can learn from the humility of John. Though strong and bold, proclaiming the truth, courageous. I mean, the man would rebuke Roman officials. That's a death sentence, by the way. His love for the truth was more powerful than his seeking for acceptance and praise from men. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I. 
He existed before me. The Christ has always been. He was, he is, and will forevermore be. God loved us so much, he came in the form of his son, and he walked among us. And therein, at that moment, we recognize God, monotheistic, one in three persons. Oh, there is certainly great depth of mystery for you and I not yet revealed. Our minds could not fathom the thought, but we have enough information to understand this. And we can reason with each other. I myself am a father, I am a husband, and I am a son. But it's me, right here, one human being before you, a father to my children, a husband to my wife, and a son to my dad. We saw the Father in the heavens speak, the Holy Spirit, the person descending in the Son. God in three persons. And then, of course, John saw, for John had been told that this would take place. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel... I came baptizing with water. Why did John baptize with water? What was the purpose therein? Pay attention. Verse 31, chapter 1 of John. The Bible explains itself, friends. But so that he, the Christ, might be manifested to Israel, I, John, the baptizer, came baptizing with water. What did it look like when John would take an individual and put him down into the water and out? And let me ask you this, or let us at least, let us give our thoughts this perspective. The religious leaders of the day, when they understood baptism to be one who was seeking to enter into Judaism, a convert, he or she would plunge themselves. We touched that. We talked about that. But here, we see that Jews were being baptized by John. Jews don't need to be baptized. Jews are saved. They're born in the covenant of the Abrahamic lineage. Imagine the offense the religious leaders must have taken. Why is he baptizing Jews for the forgiveness of their sins? Our sins have been forgiven. Our Abrahamic lineage says so. Huh? Who gave you the authority to do this? You're not Elijah. You're not the prophet. You're not the Messiah. You're baptizing Jews for the forgiveness of their sins? And not only that, you're the one who is taking them and plunging them? Why was John doing that? What is the purpose? of taking a man or a woman, Jew or Gentile, and, and doing this, going bloop, into the water, bloop, out of the water. Why, what, 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 what does that look like? What does that represent? What is the spiritual profoundness of what is taking place there? Pay attention. Let's read it again. 
so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing with water. You know what it looks like? Death, burial, resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. What was the water in which John baptized doing, speaking? What, what was the picture being portrayed to the individuals? It was prophetic, speaking of the coming day when Jesus would of his own free will allow himself to die, be buried, and be raised. Come on, stick with it. Why do you think you and I today have been commanded as repentant believers qualifying to become children of God? You can read about that in chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Why is it you and I today, if we seek to become Christians, if we seek to have the forgiveness of our sins, if we seek to be born again, we must be plunged, dipped, submerged, baptizo. Death, burial, resurrection. Jesus never intended for us to be nailed to a cross as a thief. He just said, if you believe in me and repent of your sins, that each and every individual here, independently accountable with the intellectual capability, to be immersed. Calling on his name. There's the power. See, John was not the one with the power to forgive sins. I am not the Christ. I am not. No. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. Behold, the Lamb. The Savior of the world. He takes the sins away. John's baptism was a picture into what was going to be taking place. You and I today, now after the cross, the fulfillment of the cross, you and I can qualify to become children of God, to become Christians. How so? Death, burial, and resurrection. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing with water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. And in verse 33, I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Who sent John? Who sent John? Chapter 1, verse 6. There came a man sent from God. Verse 33. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. See, Jesus was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit, of course. Then again, another picture 
into the things that were going to happen for the apostles as they would become the miraculous recipients of a supernatural endowment poured out from the Holy Spirit upon them, now capable of practicing miraculous things. John's humility remains, and we learn much from it. Wonderful information here. Again, the message for you and I. The Holy Spirit has indeed written a book, The Perfect Law of Liberty. That which is perfect has come. God didn't come to destroy, to abolish. He came to fulfill. It's been fulfilled. John would immerse Jews and Greeks with water for the forgiveness of their sins. It was a picture of the thing that was coming, Christ, and the baptism that would come afterwards with water, in water, for the forgiveness of sins. This time, so as to be in Christ, in the church he built, in the kingdom he established. It was prophesied by the prophets of old. It all began, it was birthed from the mind of God. Prophesied by the prophets of old, promised by the Christ, purchased by his blood, and it must be practiced by our faith. It is a very submissive thing to do, a very humble thing to do, if you believe in Jesus and repent of your sins, to allow yourself to be immersed, plunged, dipped, baptized. Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Do you believe? Yes, I do. You qualify. They both went down into the water. Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. They came up out of the water. The Ethiopian eunuch was filled with joy. Philip was snatched for another mission. Acts chapter 8. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. Colossians 2, 12. Mark 16, 16. Acts 2, 38. 1 Peter 3, 21. If you seek to obey the gospel, it's available to you. It certainly is. Acts twenty two sixteen. what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Paul would say you are immersed into the church, for therein are the saved. Which church? Any church? No, the church Jesus built. John understood this very well. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This kingdom is established. It's the church. Well, that'll do for now. That'll do for now. This is the information I sought to share with you this hour. The humility of John, how he interacted, the information therein. And hopefully you find something in there to challenge you to encourage you. And if there is anything you need to move forward with, by all means, you can reach out to us at the East Coast Church of Christ here in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. You can check us out at eastcoastchurchofchrist.com and you can certainly reach out to us if you have any further questions or you'd like to sit down and study. But remember, there are two individuals in the same community asking the same question. Are there any police officers here? Are you the one asking because you are seeking to break the law or are you the one seeking for assistance? We are your servants. 
We are not the Christ. We are not the prophet. We are not Elijah. We're just Christians, servants. We're a family. We love each other. God taught us how. Stay focused, stay positive. Lord willing, next time. God bless. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. 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 And he will.